The Queen's poor health. The situation is not good. Very concerning. The royal family soon to be at her bedside. The way that we saw the speech, it wasn't divisive. Deplorable enemies of the state. In Ukraine, the face of the war is changing. Memphis on edge. Killing four people during a shooting rampage. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. The BBC is interrupting its normal programmes to bring you an important announcement. This is BBC News from London. Buckingham Palace has announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. In a statement, the palace said the Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. The King and the Queen Consort will remain at Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. BBC Television is broadcasting this special programme reporting the death of Her Majesty the Queen. That was just a few hours ago. Queen Elizabeth II, the longest-serving monarch in the United Kingdom's history and the second-longest-serving in world history, died this afternoon at age 96 at Balmoral Castle in Scotland. A tweet from the royal family broke the news to the UK and admirers of the Queen around the world. The Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. The King and the Queen Consort will remain at Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. Born in 1926, the Queen's life included serving as the woman's auxiliary tutorial service during World War II. She ascended to the throne in February of 1952. That was two years before I was born. I'm 68. Stop and think about that. 70 years. Think about all the things that this woman saw as, and all the presidents. I mean, President Eisenhower was the first president she met with. The number of prime ministers, 15 prime ministers. In fact, uh, she started with Winston Churchill and just days ago, she asked uh, the new Prime Minister Trust to serve as her Prime Minister. The Queen met with, I uh, said, 13 U.S. presidents, all the way back to Dwight Eisenhower. She met with Ronald Reagan. She met with uh, Billy Graham. As Queen for 70 years, she was the driving force behind the special relationship between the United Kingdom and the United States. One notable example, on September 12, 2001, the Queen requested that the Star-Spangled Banner be played during the changing of the guard at Buckingham pa uh, Palace to show a solidarity with the U.S. after the terrorist attack killed nearly 300 people on 9-11. After the Queen's passing on Thursday, the U.S. Capitol announced it would lower its flags to half-staff to honor her life and legacy. Doctors attending to the Queen issued a statement earlier today in apparent preparation for the Queen's passing saying they were concerned for the Queen's health and that she was comfortable under their supervision as her children and other members of the royal family rushed to Balmoral. The Queen's family will remain there on Thursday, returning to London this weekend. Her oldest son, Prince Charles, Prince of Wales, will lead the United Kingdom in mourning as the new king and head of state. In his first statement, King Charles III, that will be the moniker by which he'll go, uh, the Queen's son released this statement. The death of my beloved mother, Her Majesty the Queen, is a moment of the greatest sadness for me and all members of my family. We mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. I know her loss will be deeply felt throughout the country. 
the realms and the commonwealth and by countless people around the world during this period of mourning and change, my family will be comforted and sustained by our knowledge um, of the respect and deep affection in which the queen was so widely held. Tributes, of course, have been pouring in from around the world. The the former Prince Charles has now become King of England. Uh, he obviously will... Um, the coronation has not taken place. It won't take place for... Well, we don't know when it will take place. Uh, he will go by King Charles III. Stop and think about this. Queen Elizabeth II, she was uh, her coronation was when she was 25 years old she became queen charles ascends to being king at the age of 73 she was one of the longest serving monarchs well the longest in uh, the united kingdom the second longest in world history i i, I mean i don't know anything about charles's uh, health but likely uh, at 73 he's not going to have uh, by any means, the longest uh, reign as king of uh, uh, king of England. Franklin Graham, the president and CEO of the Billy Graham Association and Samaritan's Purse, shared the following reaction with the passing of the Queen. "Quote: I'm deeply saddened to hear about the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II," said Graham. "She has been a symbol of stability and steadfastness for the United Kingdom for 70 years." I'm asking people to join with me in praying for the royal family and the people of the United Kingdom. Graham added, I will always appreciate her example of leadership and her life of integrity. I mean, some think about this. There was, they were there for 70 years, and she didn't really have, in 70 years, there was, I mean, there was some times where the royal family made the news. And obviously, I realized that the royal family was very protected, um, but... And unlike in the United States, where our press will immediately go after our presidents and the president's families, if, well, especially if you're a Republican. But uh, the, the papers in, in the United Kingdom have been very respectful for the royal family. But she really has not had scandal over 70 years. There hasn't been any kind of major scandals, uh, at least directly to her or uh, Prince Philip's life. Uh, Graham went on to say, I'm especially grateful for the Queen's friendship with my father, Billy Graham. He cherished their friendship that was built on a shared love for Jesus Christ and belief in God's word. He added, my father had the privilege of meeting with the Queen more than a dozen times, and she was a gracious host, inviting my parents to visit Buckingham Palace on several occasions. My father said he found Queen Elizabeth to be a woman of rare modesty and character and made a pledge to pray for her and her family every day. He also appreciated how she often talked about Jesus Christ during her public addresses. There was never any question about where she placed her faith. Queen Elizabeth once said, I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. He also said the queen was a friend of my father, but more importantly, she was a true friend to the Christian faith. She will be profoundly missed. So uh, the queen is dead. Long live the king, as they say. Unbelievable, though, um, CBS News journalist by a guy named uh, uh, Wesley Lowry. Don't know him. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, it, when, when you get into the mainstream uh, news media, I, I don't know many of their uh, progressives by name. But there's a guy named Wesley Lowry. 
tweeted on Thursday when the queen was ailing. I mean, it was, I mean, when you're 96 years old and the doctors come out and say the queen is in rough shape, you know that it's entirely possible that the end is near. Um, this guy tweets, the death of a person seen as near deity by the white political ruling and media class but who was also at one point the oppressive ruler of something like 30% of the global population is going to provide an excellent example of the subjectivity of straight news reporting. Now, fortunately, critics, including some liberals, uh, immediately went after this guy. Um, One said, this CBS reporter, he is also one of those privileged elite who the media insist is a necessary voice only because he sees racism everywhere and anything he doesn't like is racism and you're a racist if you disagree with him. Yet he's considered a objective reporter. That was, those are the words of Eric Erickson, conservative commentator. Um, Padrip Shankar noted that Lowry's tweet also appeared to be um, an ignorant tweet. He said, this dumb tweet by Wesley Lowry is ignorant. Elizabeth came to power in 1952. British Empire had hardly largely come apart, especially the crown jewel of India, which gained independence in 1947. It also accounted for a vast majority of the population of the Commonwealth. Lowry's, whose major contribution to journalism recently was a pro- glowing profile of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for GQ magazine. Now, stop and think about this. And and again, with with all these criticisms coming against him, he uh, very glibly and sarcastically said, oh, yeah, 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 you you all are right. Colonialism is, in fact, good. My bad, LOL. This guy's a jerk. This guy is a rude jerk. And would this individual even have a job with a national news organization if he was not a progressive racist. As uh, Eric Erickson said, if he didn't see racism behind every bush, anything that he doesn't like is because you're a racist. <laughs> Isn't that the progressive way? Isn't that the liberal way? If if anybody disagrees with you, and this, this really got going under Barack Obama, if you disagreed with a policy of Barack Obama is because you're a racist. You didn't like the policy because you're a racist and Barack Obama was black. But think about this. If a conservative, or for that matter of anybody in the media, had said such a degrading statement about, let's say, Representative John Lewis when he passed away recently, there would be demands that that individual be fired. You won't hear a peep from CBS. You won't hear a peep. Uh, by the way, he's he's deleted the tweet now, but not before numerous people saw it and captured it. Can't make it up. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris are unpopular with a majority of North Carolinians, and uh, Cherry Beasley seems to have taken notice. What happened? <laughs> Twice in the first week of September, Beasley's campaign distanced, them, distanced themselves from Biden and Harris. Uh, Harris is supposed to be back in uh, the triangle this week, and again, Beasley will ignore it. 
and be somewhere else. On September 1st, when Harris visited Durham, WRAL reporter Brian Anderson asked Beasley's campaign were they planning to do any events. Um, and their response, while the vice president's North Carolina for an official White House visit, um, Ms. Beasley is focused on her campaign to give North Carolinians a senator in Washington who will work for them. In other words, no, I don't want to be anywhere near Kamala Harris. North Carolina Tribune reporter Colin Campbell joined many other political observers in shock that Beasley's campaign didn't at least create a scheduling conflict to explain being absent during the visit of such an important member of the party. Six days later, Bloomberg reporter Christian Hall reported that Beasley again sidestepped calls to campaign with Biden or Harris, saying, I'm not aware of what their schedules are. Hall said Beasley wouldn't commit to campaigning with the president or the vice president. In the most recent favorability rating poll of North Carolinians done by High Point University in late August, Biden was seen favorably by 35 percent, unfavorably by 56 percent. Harris was slightly better at 37 percent favorable, 52 percent unfavorable. You know what's interesting about this? Now, I mean, the same favorability ratings are, I mean, they're, it's, uh, Trump does better than Biden and Harris, but it's, it's still pretty negative. But do you you don't see conservative uh, candidates running from Joe uh, from uh, Donald Trump? I mean, they, when he was over in um, off I ninety five at that venue earlier this summer, there was all kinds of people down there with him. They weren't, and, and the numbers were just the same then as they are now about Donald Trump. Biden is a loser. Biden's policy are loser policies. And even though Beasley would embrace those policies, she knows right now they're very, very unpopular. And here's the thing. Biden and Harris, are their unfavorables are strong. And yet, be, and the reason why the unfavorables are so strong is, I mean, they're not likable people. I understand that. But they're incompetent and their policies are incompetent. And yet Beasley will embrace those same policies. For the life of me, I can't understand how voters cannot connect those dots. Because if you look at the vote, I mean, we talked about this last week. Right now, the polling has Ted Budd and Sherry Beasley neck and neck. I think it was 47% apiece. I mean, they're virtually neck and neck. And yet, if you vote for Beasley, you're voting for these people that you don't like. You're voting for a president who has got a 56% unfavorable rating, a vice president who has 52 unfavorable rating. Why would you vote for that person? Hard to, hard to comprehend. Hey, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. It is a political trivia edition of News and Views. We'll play in a little bit. Your category today, President William McKinley. Don't call yet. We'll play in a little bit. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. Political name-calling is nothing new. Represented extremism. But when a president starts doing it to distract from his own failures. That is a threat to this country. You know, it's getting serious. I woke up feeling like a great American, and then I find out my president thinks I'm a terrorist. They call us the, the fascists and the Nazis, and it's like, yo... Look at yourselves. Join the conversation. They're just trying to provoke a reaction out of us. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Hard to believe, 35 years ago today, eight, uh, 1987, start to say 1887, 1987, 35 years ago, 
former presidential candidate Gary Hart withdrew from the presidential race because he committed adultery. That was pre-Bill Clinton. Inconceivable! Yeah, I know. Now, now if you're a Democrat, that would put you at the top of the polling. Uh, the only thing that would be better is if you could check some more boxes, you know, if you're a transgender and, and gay and, and, you know, attended drag shows, which, by the way, well, uh, let me do other. I, I'll get ba- I'll get back to, to that in, in just a moment. There's there's a story in the pile, which is unbelievable. Um, oh, quick look at your weather forecast tonight, partly cloudy, a low of 62. That's that's really nice. I mean, that's almost open the weather, open the window and uh, enjoy the cool weather. Uh, tomorrow, except for a few afternoon clouds, mostly sunny skies, a high around 85. Sounds good to me. Tomorrow night, a low of 67, just a few clouds. Saturday, partly cloudy skies in the morning. A possible chance, just a slight chance of a rain shower in the afternoon, a high of 85 on Saturday. Cloudy skies Saturday night, a low of 70. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. If you're looking to spend your fall, and listen, the best time of year for golf in eastern north carolina is by far these next three months i mean it is perfect it will be short sleeve weather golf shirt weather maybe a little uh, sweatshirt weather as we get later into the fall but it is a perfect time to get out and play golf whether you're looking to spend fall courtside or greenside Ironwood Golf and Country Club offers a variety of memberships tailored to fit your lifestyle with no initiation fee required. And uh, remember, if you're headed down to the beach this fall, pack your clubs. Ironwood members receive reciprocal golf and dining privileges at the Beaufort Club in Beaufort, which I was just talking to somebody about the Beaufort Club the other day, and they said it is in excellent shape. Compass Point Golf Club at Magnolia Greens down in Wilmington. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle at Ironwood. Her number is 252 752 4653 joining the fun at Ironwood today a part of the Renaissance Golf Group. By the way, speaking of the beach, did you hear about this Brandon Carney and his dad? Brandon Carney apparently captain, captains his own uh, ship, uh, boat, fishing vessel, and uh, he and his dad went some 50 miles off of Beaufort Inlet. Water that was about 1300 feet deep. And uh, had the rod and the reel out, deep sea fishing, and uh, something struck the the tackle. Ended up after about 30 minutes, what they had on the line rose 20 feet up into the air. And uh, it turned out it was a record-setting swordfish, 504 pounds, 12.5 feet, 12.5 feet long. In fact, its bill measured 47 inches. I mean, think about that. that that's 47 inches, almost four feet. That's at the height of an elementary school student. Hard to put into words, Brandon Carney said. You don't go out thinking you're going to state, uh, break a state record. They did. Oh, yeah, there it is. If you're looking online on Facebook or on Cable 7, there is <laughs> the massive fish. Wow. Apparently, the electric reel, I didn't know they used electric reels now. It seems like it's cheating, but that broke. And uh, 30 minutes of uh, reeling, reeling, and reeling, they finally it broke above the water, and they eventually got it in the boat. 
Uh, congratulations. The Justice Department today informed the court that it will appeal the federal judge's order for the appointment of a special master to review the records seized by the FBI during the unprecedented raid of former President uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago home if the court does not grant the government a stay in the case. The Justice Department filed a notice of appeal to U.S. District Judge from the Southern District of Florida, Judge Aileen Cannon. The filing specifically states the government respectfully, respectfully my foot, respectfully moves for a partial stay pending its appeal of Cannon's ruling Monday, which ordered that a special master be appointed to the review of the seized property uh, manage assertions of privilege and make recommendations thereon and eva- evaluate uh, evaluate claims for return of the property. Now, th- they want a stay while they appeal it. First of all, I, I, what is now, – now, they have come out and said that there's no reason for a special master, and this would be somebody outside of the government that would be appointed, that somebody that's nonpartisan, hopefully you could find that person or those people, perhaps. I don't know if it's a person or a group of people, but a special master to review all the stuff. Now, they said they reviewed it and there's no issues. So why would you be upset with a special master coming in and merely following in your footsteps? Unless you're lying to us, why would you care? And the whole idea is give us a stay. You know, delay this as long as possible. Uh, I mean, how, how, uh, until the appeal is heard, which would be uh, after the midterms, does this not bode well for the midterms? Just wondering. But, but what are they worried about? You've done everything by the book you've told us. Everything's fine. Why, why, why are you concerned over a special master that's merely going to review to make sure everything is in order unless you know that everything is not in order? which we are highly suspicious that that is the case. Speaking of Donald Trump, this is an interesting story. A state district court judge has ruled that a county commissioner, this is down in New Mexico, that a county commissioner be disqualified from serving as a county commissioner and barred for life from any office due to the fact that he was up at the Trump rally on January 6th. In the ruling, Judge Francis Matthews cited Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, which stipulates the consequences for any public officials who participate in an insurrection. Now, has this ever officially been ruled as an insurrection? No, only by the January 6th committee, which we know is highly, highly partisan, which Nancy Pelosi wouldn't even let a, a conservatives duly elected to the, to the Congress be on this committee because she didn't want anybody questioning what they were doing. I mean, it's never, it's never been ruled officially an insurrection. The judge ruled that the January 6th attacks meets the definition of an insurrection, so therefore he pronounces it was an insurrection, and uh, this county commissioner, Coy Griffin, be disqualified. Even liberal Michael, a liberal writer, Michael Tracy, 
torch the ruling, attacking the Democratic Party narrative about how the GOP is semi-fascist, which is indefensible if local judges can be removed, elected uh, local judges can remove elected officials over trespassing charges. I mean, that's basically what these people have been charged with. The ones that have been found guilty, trespassing. Even more comical was the precedent cited, citing the removal, which dated back to 1919, when a socialist was barred from taking a seat in Congress over potential disloyalty to the United States. And by the way, this county commissioner, who uh, Coy Griffin, being disqualified and barred from life due to a local judge. This is not about the commissioner. This is not about this Coy Griffin. This is about setting a precedent so that when they try the same stunt on Donald Trump, they'll be able to say, well, this is not the first time this has happened. We've had numerous cases where we've had elected officials told that they cannot serve, that they'd be barred for life from serving in elected, an election and an elected capacity. Yeah. Again, when, when are the conservatives, though, going to stand up and, pardon me, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, so bear with me here, okay? But I, the, the words that I want to say, when are Christians going to, when, when are conservatives, Christian conservatives, that matter, going to stand up to these people and tell them to go to hell? And I don't want anyone to literally go to hell, but I mean, why, why do we put up with this nonsense? Why do we put up with this nonsense where people are making these pronouncements in which they have no authority to do? You know, one of the biggest problems we have in our nation right now is that progressives have no respect for the separation of powers, none at all. You have the executive branch making legislation. You have the judicial branch. It was really interesting. For decades, the judiciary was making legislative pronouncements. In essence, they were making law by their pronouncements. We now have a conservative Supreme Court and many conservatives in federal courts, and they are coming out and they are undoing the things that their predecessors have put into place, which were unconstitutional. And what are progressives saying now? Oh, look, they're creating law from the from the bench. No, <laughs> they're undoing what their prede- their liberal predecessors did. There is a uh, where's the story that coincides with that? Yeah, here it is. Uh, there, there's a good news story out that um, a court has come out. This was a federal U.S. judge, Benjamin Beaton, ruled that Louisville's so-called fairness ordinance unfairly violated a Chelsea Nelson's right as a Christian to decide what type of uh, wedding she would do. In other words... She her her biblical values did, and and she would say, you know, as a photographer, if you just wanted me to come in and take your portrait, I, I will do that for anyone. But when it came to the celebration of what she thinks was a 
um, a, a Christian event, the sanctity of marriage, that she would not be involved with same-sex marriages. She wouldn't, she wouldn't do those. And, of course, this ordinance in the city of Louisville forced her hand that she, they said, you have to do this. And uh, the Alliance for Defending Freedom defended her as they defend many, many cases. And it went before this U.S. judge, uh, Benjamin Beaton, and he said, no, she does not. The, 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 your ordinance is unconstitutional. What's really interesting about that, so that happened last week. Also last week, President Joe Biden's Department of Justice, one particular individual at the Department of Justice, the Civil Division's Assistant Director of Commercial Litigation, a guy by the name of Eric Brunskin, Bruskin, I guess that's how you pronounce it, B-R-U-S-K-I-N, Bruskin, he came out and said that the same organization, Alliance for Defending Freedom, is a hate group. In fact, he went so far to uh, contact a former colleague online and said, um, are the beliefs of the Alliance Defending Freedom, are they your beliefs? Do you hold to those beliefs? And if so, it's time we end our professional association. Now, what's really ironic about this is, remember, it was just a month ago, less than a month ago, that Merrick Garland sent a memo out to all Department of Justice employees reminding them that we've been entrusted with the authority and responsibility to enforce the laws of the United States in a neutral and impartial manner. The memo, which announced a new policy forbidding DOJ employees from attending political events, concluded or continued In fulfilling this responsibility, we must do all we can to maintain public trust and ensure that policies uh, and politics, both in fact and appearance, do not compromise or affect the integrity of our work. That was just a few weeks ago. Then last week, this um, individual comes out and says the Alliance Defending Freedom is a hate group. Now listen, the Alliance is, is anything but that. It was founded in 1993. It's a Christian legal advocacy group. They've successfully won uh, uh, arguments before the Supreme Court 14 different times. 14 different times. And this individual comes out, uh, this Eric Burskin comes out and says it's a hate group. That's, uh, That's Joe Biden's administration. Any, and again, anytime you disagree with them, you're either racist. Well, if you're a hate group, you've got to be racist, right? I mean, that's, that's a synonym for, for racist, right? You're a hate group. You disagree with them, and you're going to be labeled as such. Hey, let's lighten things up. Let's play a little political trivia, shall we? 561-8255. 561-8255. Open up the phone lines. Your category, President William McKinley. I'm telling you, I think it's going to go quick. Get on the phones, 561-8255. Good prize package. We'll play when we get back.
All right, time for a little political trivia. 561-8255. I think we have one line open yet. Your category today, President William McKinley. Price package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. A gift certificate from Fit for Life 24, including two free training sessions with a coach. A $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, U.S. 70 West in Havelock. Also, a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden. Delicious, bake fresh, made-from-scratch goodies. Uh, Collard Festival going on this weekend. Stop by and see Gwendy and uh, go get some Gwendy's goodies. Also, a gift certificate to the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have one, in the, well, let 60 days pass before you play again. First up is Charles. Hey, Charles, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. Hope you are. I'm doing well. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm on the road. I headed home. All right. Well, here's uh, you're, you're ready to play. First guy up. Your question. 121 years ago this week, something happened during presidency during the presidency of William McKinley, which would forever change the office of the presidency of the United States. What happened and what changed? Uh, no idea. Um, Take a crazy guess. Impeachment. It was an impeachment. Good guess, though. All right, Charles, thanks thanks for calling. 5618255. Betty. Hey, Betty. Hey, Tom. Did you hear the question? Uh, Can you repeat it? I can. 121 years ago this week, something happened during the presidency of William McKinley, which would forever change the office of the presidency of the United States. What happened and what changed? assassinated okay you got the first half what changed uh the fact that the vice president becomes president yeah that's not it but uh whoever gets this owes you half of the goodies (laughs) (laughs) five six one eight two five five let's go to aiden hey aiden aiden you with us Five six one eight two five five. Okay, I guess we lost them. Do we lose them, Clark? Five six one eight two five five. Uh, got a line open. Okay, so you've got half the answer. William McKinley was assassinated. What changed? Five six one eight two five five. One hundred twenty-one years ago, this week, President McKinley. Five six one eight two five. Let's go to Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Doing well. So, Betty helped you with half the answer. 121 years ago, this week, something happened during the presidency of William McKinley, which would forever change the office of the presidency of the United States. What happened? He was assassinated. But what changed about the presidency? Secret Service. You got it! That's when we introduced the Secret Service to protect the presidency. Of course, the Secret Service was around uh, dealing with uh, counterfeit money. But uh, you got it. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Pine Top. All right. Well, hang in there, Patrick. We're going to get all your info. And uh, thanks for everybody that called. Sorry if uh, Patrick beat you to the punch. Congratulations to Patrick. Stay with us. More news and views coming up.
Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, congratulations to Patrick Sharp of Pine Tops, North Carolina. He got it. You need to uh, get a, get together with uh, Betty and give her half the prizes, Patrick. <laughs> Just saying. That's the, that's the trouble with the two-parter. Uh, anyway, congratulations and thanks for playing. Uh, this is good news. Town Hall's reporting that the, in fact, I just mentioned this earlier in the program, that Ted Budd and Jerry Beasley are neck and neck toss up, right? Uh, there's a new poll out by Trafficker. Ted Budd, who is running uh, for the Senate seat, Richard Burr's Senate seat, now has a 65.8% chance of winning compared to Cherry Beasley, who has a 34.2% chance of re, uh, winning. This is the highest chance Bud has had since his 71% chance of winning from August the 9th. Now, that doesn't mean that's what his lead is. That's just what the people are predicting in terms of uh, what, what are the odds of him winning. Um, the latest polling has Ted Bud with 46.6% of the vote, Beasley with 43.8%. Shannon Bray with 1.8%. Matthew uh, Pohl with uh, 0.9%. 1.3% is others, and undecided is 56 So uh, as we thought, uh, first of all, you know, this this all the news headlines that you've seen over the last month, that, oh, Democrats are making a comeback. Oh, Republicans are slipping. Oh, they're getting out of hand. You know, first of all, as we get closer, I mean, this this is usually what happens. Well, first of all, usually what happens is you get the liberal liberal media trying to dissuade conservatives from getting excited about the election. But as you get closer to the actual election, you find that whichever party is predicted to prevail, suddenly their margins get wider and wider. And then they will get real wide. Then on election day, they will shrink back some, but they will still be more significant. I mean, I, I, Ted Budd, if if he uh, isn't clearly over the fifty percent mark, I mean, I I, I think he will easily uh, beat Beasley by uh, four or five uh, percentage points in the Senate race. Daily Caller is reporting Doctor Dimitri Dicalicus has a long history of working in public health on issues pertaining to the LGBT community. He is now helping the Biden administration in their response to the ongoing monkeypox outbreak. Now, remember when monkeypox first came out and people were talking about it, they said, well, you know, it just comes from, you know, just generally being around people. The more we found out about monkeypox, the more we found out that it is very, very prevalent in the homosexual community, and it's very, very prevalent through uh, the things that um, that crowd does when nobody's looking and sometimes when people are looking. But uh, what's interesting about this is that this Dimitri Discolicus, I, I guess that's how you pronounce his name, um, this guy is a, a, a really interesting individual, and I'm saying that that's about the most diplomatic way I can put it. Prior to serving the White House, he was the director of the Centers Control, Disease Control and Preventions for the HIV Prevention. He also led the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene's Infectious Disease Controls 
and their efforts. Um, he operated an HIV and hepatitis screening clinic out of a small office inside a Manhattan S&M club called Paddles, where men could pay $40 to party without their coats or clothes. This according to The Atlantic. He also dressed in drag to administer meningitis vaccines at sex clubs. This is the guy that is heading up the response to monkeypox. He once positively described he was once positively described as a progressive radical gay doctor by Mark Harrington, executive director of Treatment Action Group, an HIV AIDS organization, according to NBC News. He has described himself as a gay health warrior. A perusal of his Instagram profile reveals dozens, if not hundreds, of shirtless photos showcasing the doctor's physique. Many photos are from LGBT community events like parades featuring the doctor in suggestive clothing. He made health equity a priority in his work in medicine. To the end the epidemic, to end the epidemic, rather, we must have a clear focus on STI and hepatitis epidemics. We must address the systemic racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia that hampers our progress. This is the guy that they have got in charge of making sure that monkeypox doesn't spread. In actuality, this is the guy that's helping to spread it, and they're putting him in charge. I mean, this administration continues with its in-your-face, the most radical, progressive, and frankly bizarre group of people since one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I mean, we've got a assistant health secretary, Rachel, don't call me Richard Levine, who is the most bizarre individual in, in public life. <laughs> and they just continue to add more onto that ridiculous pile. And thanks for being with us. Congratulations again to uh, Patrick Sharp, political trivia winner. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.